You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of the Comedian's Comedian podcast is brought to you in conjunction with NextUpComedy.com, which is, of course, the service where you can stream epic stand-up comedy with exclusive shows and no ads. They've got over 100 hours of stand-up comedy on there at the moment. People like Simon Munnery, Ed Byrne, Alfie Brown, Kerry Pritchard-McLean, Peter Brush... Gronya Maguire, Sean Hughes, and many, many more besides. Um, it's just a must for any comedy fan and is described on their website as the Edinburgh Fringe without the hassle, which I think is quite smart. If you go to nextupcomedy.com slash gift, you can buy a gift voucher with a discount code if you type in are you happy, all one word, uppercase letters, are you happy, to represent the themes of this podcast, and you will get an awesome 15% off. It makes the perfect last-minute Christmas gift, uh, and you can go from a whole year for 50 quid or all the way up to lifetime membership if you really want to impress someone slash row it back from forgetting an anniversary. It's available on iOS, Android, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Roku, whatever that is, and just streaming on your web browser. Nextstopcomedy.com slash gift. Hello and welcome to the show. It's here at long last. This is the episode with the QI Elves, No Such Thing as a Fish, that uh, excellent podcast with these four legends that you're about to hear from in just a second. This was a live episode recorded at the London Podcast Festival at King's Place. So thank you to Zoe and everyone there who made this possible. Um, thank you very much to the uh, the elves themselves, uh, the elves themselves, and um, Dan, James, Anna, and Andy have got a book out at the moment, which I shall tell you more about in the middle. But it's called the Book of the Year 2018. We'll be chatting a little bit about that. Actually, we won't be chatting about that at all. We'll be asking, I'll be asking them how they make the podcast, how they come up with funny stuff, and what their group dynamic is. And this is a particularly fun episode. Um, if you'd like to hear me, really kind of case them, suss them, and then go in for the kill. Because we did find out something very interesting about the way that they operate as a team, that afterwards they came out going, oh, right, didn't realise we were going to say that. So lots of fun to be had here. This is No Such Thing as a Fish. Thank Hi, you everyone. so much for coming. Hello. Just wow. for the benefit well. of the listener, we're sat in a room which is a perfect recreation of Hall 1 at King's Place made of matchsticks, which is uh, <laughs> rather impressive. And James has bought three beers with him. I have. Um, these people up here, these two, they have a perfect view of my bald spot. <laughs> it's very Bond, isn't it? It's very Quantum of Solace kind of sniper territory. Oh, 
Way to make us feel comfortable at the start of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the show. Um, welcome, all of you. Uh, welcome, Dan, Anna, Andrew, and James. You are the QI elves, and also, I mean, are you kind of more the No Such Thing as a Fish podcasters now than you are the QI elves? That's a great question. Depends the time of year. Yeah, well, I definitely am, because I, I was fired from QI a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I, if you listen to our podcast, you'll know that virtually about... 5% of my facts are correct, and um, they worked that out on the TV show QI I remember, a long time ago. Dan, in the early days of QI, when I first started, you were already there, and we used to try out all the general ignorance questions on you, because you were like the slightly Alan Davis-like... Yes. But, by which I mean comedy <laughs> genius, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I genu- Thanks for the clarification. genuinely think, because we all got hired by John Lloyd, who created QI, and if you don't know him, he did Blackadder, Spitting Image. He's, he's a great producer. And I think genuinely I got hired because he was like, I've never seen such ignorance. This is... <laughs> This is so astonishing. We can test everything on this man. You were his, and Alan Davies, you were his Pilkington. Is yes, that the... Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But you were, you were only about 18, weren't you? Or 19? Yeah, you I was started. 19, yeah. yeah. I still haven't learned. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be chipping in with chronology throughout. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I mean, we're already getting a sense of the group dynamic, which is important. That's something... That we want to look into. So something I, I, I warned you before I might ask you to do is, um, I'm sure, because you're such a, a disparate group of people, I've never had four people on the show in one go before, um, rather than uh, you individually tell us your personal history and how you brought yourself uh, to the QI Elves and then consequently the podcast, I thought I would ask you to do it for each other. So I also thought it might be harder if I pick who does who. So... Yeah, uh, Andrew, can you do Anna for us, please? Okay, uh, so... This Anna... is difficult because Andy's never listened to anything the rest of us have said. So... <laughs> I've been too busy memorising exactly when it happened. Um, <laughs> so Anna studied at university, and after that, she... <laughs> started... Just one of those general studies courses, That's wasn't right, it? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you did history and politics, didn't you? And then you, then you moved to the... Anna started working... She's worked all over the world, in the Scottish Parliament, in Australia, you name it. Yeah. Th- those two those places... Two. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you vaguely name it. Yeah. Uh, and that's then true, that's very good. There was an internship going at QI. Yeah. You snaffled it up, and yeah. that was about seven years ago. That's surprisingly good. Yeah, well done. Ah. Congratulations. Very well done. Yeah. So you were so just to clarify that you travelled all over the place. You were I sort of I was enjoying it more than I was listening to it. Yeah. Um, I all over the place is uh, strong words. I studied in Edinburgh and then I worked in the Scottish Parliament because I couldn't be bothered to leave Edinburgh. And then I went to Australia for a year and then I came back here. Um, but yeah, so working in the Scottish Parliament before QI basically. And then and you applied you as an intern. As so. an intern, yes. Yeah, were which, you a well-treated intern? Oh, you my God. The, I could never be an intern anywhere else after the intern treatment at QI. Yeah, you get invited to a really beautiful house in the countryside where you sort of stay for about a week and you're told to just find interesting stuff out or not, whatever you want. Just nurture your creative impulses. And <laughs> Isn't the treatment all of us had? <laughs> and can I also... It sounds a little bit like a cult. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I charmed the right people at the right time. And yeah, that happened. And bizarrely, even though it's the most cushy internship anyone's ever had, there were about eight of us who were there doing it, and only two of us survived. It wasn't a case of being selected. <laughs> we we yeah. Yeah. It's very much the Hunger Games, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was another case of snipers on the balcony, as you left. They leave out a big pile of uh, dictionaries and reference works in the middle, and you all have to run to them at the same time. <laughs> I get that that's a reference to something, but I don't know what. I mean, it's the Hunger it's Games, presumably. The Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are the dictionaries in the Hunger Games? The then? Weapons and uh, you know, right. food, food and medicine, things like that. Got it. Dictionaries are our weapons. <laughs> <laughs> that's going in the cold open now. Just dictionary yeah. are our yeah. weapons. Great. And welcome to the show. It's my kryptonite. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Anna, if you could uh, give us uh, Dan's potted history, please. Love to. Um, so, Dan basically rocked up in London, jobless and educationless, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but really loved, had a passion for comedy and really liked uh, John Lloyd, the person who created QI and stuff he'd done before, your blackadders, your spitting images, and then sort of by chance came across him via your aunt, right? And so met him. And then uh, in the early days when I first met Dan, he showed me what was essentially, I think, his cover letter to try and apply for QI, which is when him and John were sharing a taxi home, I think. It was his car. It was his car. He was driving yeah. you home. Uh, yes, yeah. He was giving you a lift home. Right, okay. And you really wanted to impress him, but also you were desperate for the loo, right? And so you got back and you knew that John was a purveyor of interesting facts. So to impress him, the moment you got home, you wrote an extremely long email, and I've read this email, speculating as to what might happen if someone's bladder exploded and as to whether there'd ever been instances in history if people's bladder ha- when people's bladders had exploded. And then you found some examples, I think. Yeah, someone on an airplane exploded. Um, mm. Oh, I thought you were going to say Danish astronomer Tycho Brahe. No, see, I still don't know what that means. But I, I, <laughs> but at the time, I definitely really didn't know what that meant. I'm just going to just stop you for a second, because I've been watching lots of improv podcasts. This is true. This is a true thing. Yeah, he sent that to John. I was, we were driving back, and I, I really badly needed the toilet, to the point where I thought, I'm just going to have to go and just not mention it. Um, <laughs> In John's car. Yeah, and he has a really nice car, so I was like, oh, man, this is bad news, because we've just met, and he's a comedy hero, and I'm going to piss in his car. And... <laughs> So he dropped me off, and he actually dropped me off two houses away um, because I knew there was a bush there. <laughs> and so I, I waved goodbye, and I dashed into the bush, and I had just a beautiful piss. It was so, oh, bad. It was like, not only have I not ruined my future career, like, oh, this is, this is very nice. So I... And your career has been downhill since then, hasn't it? <laughs> so downhill got... from a piss behind a bush. <laughs> Jesus. Then I went into the house, and I thought about what exactly Anna was saying. I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone has just held it in so much that they've, they've not... So I, I wrote this email, and I got the job <laughs> off the back of this email. Again, I think he thought, what the fuck is this? I've never seen such weirdness. And so just, just clarify for me that you, you met John through your aunt. There was some sort of family connection. There was like... you. Is the beginning of a sort of job application process. You don't normally start in the car of the yeah, hero no, to whom you're applying. She used to work at BBC Radio Oxford. Um, she was an assistant producer. And John, QI was set up in Oxford. And there used to be a QI building in Oxford, which was a cafe and private members club and bookshop. So most TV shows will do like a book. John did a building. He had like a proper club. And so he was setting that up. And he thought, I want to do a radio show. 
and uh, potentially he was going to be the host. And so he went to Radio Oxford, and the boss was out that day, and my auntie happened to be there, and she showed him around. And um, at the end, she said, by the way, my nephew's just arrived from Australia. He'd like to get into comedy. And uh, Huge bladder, huge bladder. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and were you in that, because you, you are a, a co-creator of things. I know from, from your bio, you co-created the Museum of Curiosity. Yeah. You're a, you have a kind of a production streak in you you know you know how to produce stuff you want you were someone who i know you were a stand-up comedian as well but you were one of those i think in the world of stand-up comedy we sort of feel slightly cheated by people who are stand-up comedians as well as being producers it's like pick a team fucker but uh but you were in uh you you what did you do you maneuvered yourself into a position where you could exploit that luck of of being personally connected to someone influential no, I mean, she didn't know who he was, so she got... I'm just trying to find a career path for people listening to this who might want to try and uh, ape the kind of verve that you've used here. Oh, what happens to... with QI, basically, is people turn up and then they make themselves so useful that we can't get rid of them. Like, they kind of find their own little niches and then they do stuff that we just can't fire them. That's basically how it works. Yeah. I can't remember what your niche was, Dan, but you worked in the bookshop, didn't you? Yeah, I yeah, did. QI. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm the worst person to be asking, how do you get into QI? Because I shouldn't be there. These other three <laughs> definitely have a, a reason. So tell us, I, I think all, all, the only thing I'm trying to get to is when you wrote a description of, you know, research into someone's bladder exploding, yeah. were you thinking this is the sort of thing John will like, or were you writing it thinking this interests me, this kind no, of No, I was fact. thinking this is the thing that John would like. Got it. Yeah. And John and I on that conversation in the pub prior to the, the, the urine-heavy uh, car <laughs> ride home, uh, I... He and I had three moments of connection, which was really interesting. He was saying, um, so what did you do at school? And I said, well, I I did stand-up comedy for my final year. And I actually, I speak Mandarin. I grew up in Hong Kong. I want to be a a comedian in China. He'd just come from a meeting where he was talking to someone about making a show with white comedians in China. He said, where did you go to school? I said, Sydney. I went to a Rudolf Steiner school. He was like, I've just been reading about Rudolf Steiner. I want to send my kid there. Where do you live in Sydney? I said, Palm Beach. He said, that's where I wrote The Deeper Meaning of Lift with Douglas Adams. That's actually genuinely what got me my job. He just thought, okay, that's too many, that's too many things that are connected. <laughs> you can come in. I would say, in your defence, um, you and John have a lot of like psychological similarities, though, right? I think so. I think what QI is all about, and what we're all about, is like everyone. No one really knows as much as they think they know. Or, you know, the more educated you are, often uh, the less you understand how ignorant you are. And there's so much to know in life. And I think with Dan and John, there always seems to be a mutual understanding of we're just fascinated by learning anything and everything we possibly can and we'll never have any arrogance um you know about what we know because we know how tiny that amount is so it feels like yeah it's not just because of the urine thing is what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) you have other qualities (laughs) so uh dan can you tell us james's background yes james is from bolton Um, which is in England, and he (laughs) was working for many years in a hotel uh, as an accountant and behind the bar, and he was a uh, very much a hotel man in Bolton, and then he went into accountancy. (laughs) Does that have some other meaning that we're not aware of? In Bolton it does, yeah. (laughs) 
And then uh, he was he was an accountant, and during his spare, because he used to do his accounting so quick, he just had spare time at work. He used to go on the QI forums, and he used to write uh, facts, just saying, "Hey, have you guys heard this fact? Have you heard this fact?" And in his hour break, he would generate more facts than I, as a full time employee, would generate <laughs> in my whole workplace. So John Lloyd said to him, "You're very good." This was around the C series, so this is very early days in QI, and he said, "James, I want you to be a part of QI." And James said, "I like TV sounds really fun, but I'm kind of really into my accounting, so I'm going to stick that out." And this is true. The only reason. James left his job to join QI is because John said, okay, what if I hire you as a QI elf, but on the sideline, you can do all of our accounting as well. Ah, great. <laughs> and he said, yes, and that's why we have James. Yeah. That is true. Every word, truth. Oh, and, um, and what was your nickname at school? That was a great one. LL Cool J. That's it. Um, <laughs> That wasn't my name. That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> ah. So LL Cool J's real name is Ladies Love Cool James. That's where it comes from. And so as a joke, I once said, oh, yeah, that's what people call me at school. And Dan has had that as a fact about my life <laughs> ever since. So when this show goes out, if we could edit his interjection there <laughs> yeah, out yeah, of great. it. So it just is that. Yeah, yeah sweet. Uh, thank you. Uh, James, if you could uh, give us Andrew's background. Yes, we all, we've done this a few times about people, how we started on QI, and Andy always says, oh, mine's extremely boring. So I've been kind of left with the... <laughs> uh, but I'll do it chronologically. So Andy was born... Thank you. Um, age zero. <laughs> um, and after university, you met um, John Sessions, right. I think, who was yeah. friends with John Lloyd. Uh, and basically, um, John Sessions came to John Lloyd and said, there is this guy, you need to hire him. He is basically QI personified. And then um, we brought you in to work on one of the books, which I think was the Book of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Um, which Andy co-wrote with a few of us in the office. Uh, and there were a few people who did that, and Andy was one who stuck around and, and is still there today. Stuck around. <laughs> did not leave. Um, is that fair? That was, that's completely yeah. fair, yeah. It was a weird... Because the, the Book of the Dead was a book of biographies of interesting dead people. And right. they, the job was just to read biographies for eight or nine months and just send the very best bits or the very best people to the two Johns, John Lloyd and John Mitchinson, who were writing, you know, doing the sort of... Uh, the writing of it. And so, yeah, it was quite a solitary and weird life. Yeah. Just sitting in a library, reading biographies... Sending in the best bits. But actually, that's what QI was like for a long time. So we only got an office about five or six years ago. And before that, we all kind of lived disparately around the country. I lived in the Lake District, and we had people living in Oxfordshire and in London. And we would only come together when the TV show was on. But it was when the QI got an office that we all got together that we started being able to do things like this, like the podcast, because we realized that actually, you know, we can hang out together and we can make jokes together and stuff like that. So when you say that uh, Andrew was QI personified, yeah. what qualities, Andrew, do you think uh, were being referred to? Well, when so I only got an afternoon in the big country house, unlike Anna who had a week, but John said, that I do remember him saying, find out things that you're interested in. Don't try and please anyone else. We've um, already got someone to do yeah, that. Yeah, he said, Dan's on that. Dan is devoted to pleasing me full time. So... So he, he, uh, well, he, he said to me, just find out things that you are interested in. So the first sort of trial I had was going away and finding out about things beginning with G, because the G series was the next one that we were going to do. So I think that just the quality of being interested in stuff, which is a quality that everyone has, you know, um, and maybe beyond that, the 
ability to stick with quite boring things and hope that they will eventually become interesting. So if you are reading a very long book about mollusks, there will be something amazing about mollusks in there. Or about leeches. I remember you had a great, oh, great yes. year in the yes. L series of QI, didn't I you? I love leeches. Wow. <laughs> They're such interesting things. So was that your rap name? Yeah. <laughs> leeches love cool Andy. And Andy loves them back. Yeah. Actually, yeah. it's a real kind of uh, bizarre testament to the hiring process of John finding people interested in information. Because I know all of us are, but we, we genuinely go in the office every day and just keep reading and just keep hopefully getting fascinated by things. And we've been going for almost five years now as a podcast. So there is downtime when you're doing QI. The series is on for a particular bit. You really have to drill into a subject. But for us, each week with the podcast, it's four new facts. It's four new territories that we've not necessarily looked into. And we just never get jaded. We just never go, let's just dial it in and just do a podcast and just go, wow. Like, we always, it's always a proper fascination and, and wanting to know more. And I, so I reckon that's the real thing that John landed on there it's he didn't hire people who were comedians who were writers who worked for have i got news for you he found a 19 year old who didn't finish high school you know he found an accountant um he had a an oxbridge graduate who has a first in awesomeness and he <laughs> and he had someone at a country estate for a week so but as in like that's not if you were john's show qi was his relaunch of a career he'd left comedy for ages he had everyone at his beck and call everyone wanted to work with him and he picked this disparate group of people who he knew you're just not going to get bored by stuff and yeah i think that's the real secret to it So this is Dan, James, Anna and Andy from No Such Thing as a Fish. This was enormous fun to record and I'm so, so grateful for them uh, for coming on to the show. Uh, I just want to mention as well a little shout out to the insiders who've been able to listen to this for the last month because they got a little sneak early preview, as they occasionally do, of live episodes. If you'd like to become an insider, go to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders and sign up for a small recurring monthly donation that gives you access to all of the extras on a special private podcast just for you, as well as giving you access to the workspace which is a sort of office style app where we gossip and uh, send salacious emails to each other during the working day um my thanks again to the podcast festival at king's place the london podcast festival where i had a brilliant time and it was a lovely opportunity to meet lots of fans of the show there as well as uh podcast fans in general not to mention the podcasters themselves which very rarely have i been in a room with quite so many people who understand the difference between mp3 and wav and uh and uh, we had a, had a lot of fun there. There were some really interesting seminars and things to go to. So if you are a podcast fan, I cannot recommend highly enough that you Google the King's Place Podcast Festival and try and get on the mailing list early to get tickets for 2019 because almost every show there sold out. So do go along and support that. Um, and I also saw uh, there were some great shows I saw live, live from the Magic Tavern, which has been going for centuries, it seems. That's worth uh, having a little suss of, um, as well as uh, James Bonding, where two men bond over a love of James Bond. And um, more besides, oh, more, more, more than I can remember. Oh, and um, someone who is frequently requested as a guest on this podcast and will be before too long uh, is Ben Partridge of the, uh, I've got to remember it now, the Beef and Dairy Network podcast which was that was an incredible live show and uh and brilliantly performed and brilliantly enjoyed by everyone in the room so uh do find out about that next time quick shout out for the secret santa it's still open we're doing the draw on 
I feel like I should have written this down. 7th of December. You've got until the 7th of December to sign up. The link will be in the show notes of this episode uh, and via elster.com you can sign up. There's about 20 or 30 people on it now. You can sign up to participate in a ConcomPod secret Santa where you put in your address and use, and then you get randomly generated one from someone that put in their address and you send one another an interesting piece of comedy ephemera, something that they would enjoy discovering. Um, so it's less about kind of forwarding an old Peter K DVD and more about forwarding some kind of bootleg recording of some gig that you're not supposed to have or, or something that, you know, a, a scared weird little guy's CD perhaps or uh, the Doug Anthony All-Stars documentary um, or even stuff that isn't Australian. So get on the show notes of this and click on that link and you can join up at elster.com via that link. And you can go, of course, to comedianscomedian.com slash tour to find out all about my stand-up tour, uh, described by the list this year as truly a comedy masterclass, dot, 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 endlessly inventive. It's nice of them, isn't it? I can't remember what was where those three dots were. Presumably it wasn't just a comma and then not. I don't know if we're doing that anymore. Um, but uh, it was a really fun show to do in Edinburgh and I can't wait to take it on tour. I'm coming to Maidenhead, Falmouth, Salisbury, Cheltenham, Crawley, Reading, Leamington Spa, Oxford, Bromsgrove and Plymouth. And that's just the spring bit of the tour. And then in autumn I'm going to do much more places, maybe somewhere even nearer you if you don't live uh, in the middle or southwest of the country. So, oh, Soho dates have just been put on. Wait, I should tell you when those are. Um, we just had those confirmed. I feel like they're in May. They are. I'll put that on the website now. So the 9th, 10th and 11th of May in the downstairs room at the Soho Theatre. That is always a real pleasure to play. So please come along to that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And I've got some very exciting news. If you are fans of buying things before Christmas, possibly as presents, and then hanging on uh, to the notion that you've bought them and not actually having them delivered until late January, early February, it's the Great Comedians Comedian T-shirt merch sale. It's back on. We've got a brand new design by Lise Richardson. And um, part of me wants to tell you what it is and part of me wants to just direct you to a picture of it because it, I'm just going to do that for now. If you go to comedianscomedian.com slash merch, by the time you hear this, there will be a sales page up there and you can. we're doing a big... Basically, you get between now and the beginning of January to uh, book your T-shirt online and uh, and then in uh, in January I will close the sale, take all of those numbers, get it done in one big go, so as not to eliminate myself with admin, and um, and send you the uh, send you your T-shirt. It's I I don't want to tell you anything about it. I just want you to go and look at it. It's so good. Um, this is your you get a week's worth of listening to this and going, right, I'm going to go to comedianscomedian.com slash merch and find out what this great design is. And I am confident that you will not be disappointed um, because it's kind of joking and it's based on something very important to me. It's based on a joke that's very important to me. And uh, uh, and it's a joke that spawned many, many memes. But um, uh, I'm not going to describe the, uh, the picture because who would do that? Just go and check that picture out and uh, I think you're absolutely going to love it. So... Please go there, do that, get on it quick. We've got all uh, male and female sizes. I think all sizes available. I've tried very hard to make that the case. And um, it's going to be wonderful. And I think people are going to be, I think this is going to be a really popular one. I'm stoked. Right, that's everything. Let's get back to the second part of this live conversation at King's Place with no such thing as a fish. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What is it in the, the dynamic of the group that is particularly successful are you are you the only qi elves no no, 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 no. Lots, lots of them we were the only four who were available to do the podcast yeah. when we started <laughs> yeah how did the other elves feel about the fact that they weren't one of the ones that was available at the time alex <laughs> <laughs> we have alex, uh, alex is showing us the middle finger from the fifth row <laughs> If you know oh, our I podcast. was introduced to Alex earlier on, but it wasn't made clear to me who he was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Sorry, we should have said. Story of his life. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Bell is—he's uh, always on the podcast. Every bit of our imagery is done by him. Every—he's the fifth Fisher. Um, he calls himself the best Fisher, but he also calls himself the Pete Best Fisher, which is by Fisher. Oh, that's like, because we're, we're calling oh, no such thing as a fish. fish. So it's oh, gotcha, beg your pardon. Yeah, okay. so we've taken the last yeah, word and we've up. added. <laughs> it's very complicated branding. Yeah. There are a number so, well, a minute ago you were elves and I just got confused into, I was, I was thinking of gnomes, doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. John, John Lloyd is the chief gnome. Yeah. No one else allowed to be a gnome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're fishers now. Dan's constantly trying to rebrand us. Uh, you like fish busters? You're fish always trying busters. to make us fish busters. Yeah. Um, you want us this... to do posters where we're all dressed as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yeah. yeah. I wanted, because we're doing a new tour, I wanted to do a poster where it was James Bond looking, and I wanted the tour to be called Fish Finger. I just thought that would have been... That's good! Yeah. This, Ooh. you may be tested that, and it, it played well with the room. <laughs> Let, let, just to just to get back, we were talking about uh, Alex's role. There are other uh, elves, and what is it about the four of you, apart from availability to do the podcast? <laughs> what is it about the you know several years in now? What is it about your? What do you each bring to the table as distinct from the others? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Well, so. Just before we answer your question, and thank you for asking it. Um, which, uh, uh, besides a sort of ingratiating charm. <laughs> no, what, what, the, um, the way it started was we had this idea, and initially it was going to be me hosting, because I wasn't right into the QI elf world. I was, I, I've always been a QI elf, but I wasn't working on the series, so I was actually meant to act as a host in the podcast. And then James was going to be the co-host who knew everything, who was always there. And we were going to do a rotation of different elves each week in the office. And the pilot episode that we made was Andy and Anna, and we did it. And afterwards, we just went, this, the, it was there straight away. It was, there was no question that that needed to just be how it was how it was going to be made. So we can get to your question now. Because um, you remember the pilot, we didn't know what the podcast was going to be, did we? So no. we had an idea where people would send us questions. Yeah. Uh, and we got a question which was, what is the fear of um, Ferris, Ferris, wheels. Ferris wheels? That's right. 
And so we tried to answer the question. Of course, we couldn't because there's no answer to that. But then we just started talking about Ferris wheels. And we talked about Ferris wheels for about 30 minutes. <laughs> it just the most interesting things about Ferris wheels. And then we listened back to it. We're like, we don't need the question. All we need is a way in to talk about Ferris wheels. And then we need a way in to talk about mugs. And then a way in to talk about beer. And then a way in to talk about Victor Hugo. And as long as we can get a way into all these subjects, we'll be able to chat about them. Yeah. Although I wasn't in the Ferris wheel one. It's always, it's always touted as the origin story uh, of this podcast and I, I was totally uninvolved I know fuck all about Ferris wheels still <laughs> to this very day I, I don't even know what one is I will principal. not learn I wasn't in. The, I don't have a fact in the first episode we ever yeah, released. That's true. The order yeah. of facts in the first episode goes: James, Dan, Anna, James. <laughs> yeah. if, if only we'd stuck to that before that point. <laughs> well, so but you do some great riffing in the first one. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's very much like like the session musician who's just sort of noodling away <laughs> on the think, bass in the corner. I think know. it was either the first one or the second one when I um, or when Dan and I edited it, and I heard a, f- a joke that you did about Jesus Franco. So it was about James Franco and about Jesus Franco. You'll have to go back and listen to it. And when I heard that joke, I was like, this is going to be a good podcast because that is a good joke. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That was the first Don't go back I and thought. listen. You'll be awfully disappointed <laughs> at this stage. Well, here, here's an interesting uh, thing about the pilot episode that we did. Um, we did about 40 different test trials to get the idea right. And Sorry. 40? Yeah. 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 Don't, don't you remember it? So I, we did... As, we, we didn't well, ask you to do 39 yeah. of them. <laughs> we... we we constantly- I was Alex, sorry. Yeah. 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 We constantly did it, and we, we were saying, okay, let's try this out next time, and let's do this, and do you guys mind if we do this again? The first episode of Fish is effectively a best-of compilation of all the trials that we okay. did, which is why Andy doesn't have a fact, because we just picked, and we even picked conversations from a different fact and plopped them in to uh, the show, and we were never meant to release it. No, we, we, were, we wanted to send it to the Lloyds to see what they thought about it, right? Yeah. And then we just put it online, and then some people found it. And we'd accidentally said, this is a weekly podcast. And then we thought, yeah. oh, shit, we need to do one next week. Yeah. <laughs> and wasn't the original artist your mum? Yeah, it wasn't when we uploaded it, because I uploaded it. I didn't know what I was doing. So it wasn't no such thing as a fish. It was Caroline Schreiber was the artist. <laughs> and the title of the episode was No Such Thing as a Dang-a-lang-lang-lang, because I just was like, I don't know what to write here. It was, it was a disaster, but yeah. I love that in times of uh, not knowing, you, you default to No Such Thing as a Dang-a-lang-a-lang. <laughs> <laughs> and my mum's name is my LL Cool J name. That's my rap name. So... Um, in terms of finding the finding the gear, like tell me how much of the of the recording of each episode, what proportion of your time is spent researching compared to riffing or editing, presenting, admin. My, my theory about podcasts is there are three things. So you've got the research, you've got the performance, and then you've got the edit. And to get the good show, you can either spend ages and ages researching, and then the other two are short, or you can do a really long record, and then the other two are short, or you can do a really long edit, and the other two are, you know, you don't put the effort in. But I think most of our effort is put into the research part, I would say. Yeah. I mean, none of us, we put any effort into the edit. That's all you, so that's... (laughs) And I do it in a very slapdash way, that has to be said. We've noticed. (laughs) James is the editor, and he does this thing during our live shows and when we're recording, which is the most intimidating thing in the world. He just consistently goes, that's not making it. In the moment. <laughs> that's not going in. And you're just like... Oh. But that's because I edit in my head while we're doing it. Yeah. So. Out loud. <laughs> that was terrible. That one was terrible. So does, does that, just coming back to the group dynamic, does that mean you're the boss? 
No, absolutely not. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask everyone else, does that mean James is the boss? No. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. It means I can make these guys say whatever I want them to say. Um, so basically, if you asked that question and I was editing, they would have all said yes. <laughs> Which is why we've, we'd actually like you to be our editor from now yeah, on. Please, yeah, please do it. Uh, but how long do we spend? I think we, we all vary. Like I, yeah. So I'm definitely the most last minute. So we, the way it works is we all bring our headline fact to the podcast. So that takes quite a long time because it has to be, you know, your, your standout fact. And that can take days sometimes of trying to find something good enough. Um, and then once you've found that, you think, never mind, I can forget about that. And then you remember that the podcast is being recorded in two hours. And so then I usually do the sort of two hours last minute cram which is definitely, you know, how I've always worked. Everyone's, everyone always has their ways of working, don't they, by yeah. the time you get to our ripe old ages. Um, and then you, James always, is so annoying. Um, J- basically, we, we hand in our headline facts, and then literally five minutes later, James goes, have you done your research? Like, no, I haven't started, obviously I haven't started yet. He's like, i finished mine. <laughs> how? Uh, uh, the worst one is this week, like, I, because I've been doing QI for so long, so, so, so long, I kind of have a hinterland of QI knowledge, which I can just... Co- uh, fall back on but this week we did one on facial recognition which um i didn't have any background stuff because it's so new and i had to do it longhand like you guys so you actually had to work Rough. yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. presumably the the places where you find your facts where you kind of mine for them they're distinct from each other yeah i do yeah. davidike.com you yeah. do yeah. <laughs> So Anna at least used to, I don't know if you still do, you used to do a lot of British newspaper archives, I you? love the British newspaper archive. I, I mean, I just basically, also I love um, going, just going into Google Books from pre-1900. sort of 1900. And I don't, I don't know why, I just love reading what journalism was like, you know, 100 years ago. And so, yeah, I'm finding weird shit that happened, like a lion jumped into someone's, through someone's window on the Strand in 1822, I think, which was one that I read the other day. I, d- I don't know why, I think that's really cool. So, yeah, I go there. James does the most, I would say, first-hand research. So James oh. likes to go to places, find a fact there and then sort of bring it back. So whenever James goes travelling, you know, um, you went to... I went to Peru, for Peru. instance. And so and, the Nazca um, Lines. Yeah, so the Nazca Lines, and then went to a um, museum and met a curator there who told me that the Nazca people used to employ someone to walk around with a dead fox on their head. And they would just walk around, and the idea was that they would be scaring away birds. So the birds, because they're up there, they just all they see is a fox kind of walking around at human pace in a kind of random order. But apparently that's a thing that happens. So I do like doing that. I went to the um, Tower of London recently and uh, met a friend of mine called Andy the Beef Eater. Um, and he told me that for their birthday they get a bottle of Beef Eater gin every year. Which yeah. is nice, isn't it? Andy the Beef How's that for nominative determinism? His actual <laughs> name is Andy the Beef Eater. Yeah. James goes to a lot of very exotic places and I, I once got a fact from the Keswick Pencil Museum. So oh, I've been. We've all I've got been. our level. What Have was you? the fact? I've been. Have you seen the massive Chris Evans rendered in pencils? No. It's really weird. It's really weird. They've got it about... sounds perfectly normal. <laughs> So the, he's, he's not drawn in pencil. Uh, Chris Evans, the radio DJ um, guy, uh, he's not drawn in pencil. He's made of pencils. So they've got pencils in different colours, and they're all end-on, uh, with a blunt end facing towards you. So they've got a load of orange pencils end-on for his hair, 
and they got some sort of peach-coloured ones for his face. And um, that's the main thing I remember from the Keswick Pencil Museum. Well, no, no, your, your fact from it was something along the lines of they well, the, used to use pencils originally to draw on, on sheep. Sheep, sheep yes. yes. Yeah. But the Chris Evans is the thing that stays with yeah. you. <laughs> this huge face. <laughs> we should... I should we haven't said, so I know when you interview comedians on this, it's sort of like we know what stand-up is, but we happen to have a conceit to our show, which we've not really said. So for anyone in the audience tonight or listening, uh, the way we do our show is we each bring one fact to the show every week. This is the best thing we found out from the last seven days. And we open it up and we say, my fact this week is this. And then... In the background, the four of us uh, individually go away once we know what that headline fact is, and we research it, but we don't tell each other what we found. So the whole show is a, it's a genuine conversation of the most fascinating things we found about pencils and Chris Evans and, or whatever it is that week. Um, so just in case we're as confused... Yeah. People yes. listening. What that does mean is that we know actually nothing about um, stand-up or writing comedy or anything. We're just having a conversation about weird facts. Uh, yeah. Although you, well, I we mean, do have two stand-up comedians on the panel. I know. I, as I said that, I thought, well, this is going <laughs> to. The dressing room afterwards says it's going to be issues here. <laughs> be, before we get on to before we get on to sort of unpacking the the facts and the the, the flow of the conversation and all all those elements, is there? Do you find that there is a... Do you want to kind of keep your sources secret because the facts are so important to your, your twin livelihoods? Or is it more that it requires so much legwork, so much research to get to the facts, that that's, that's kind of your superpower, is the resilience and the determination to, to read through the material? That's a good question. So I have um, an RSS feed where I get the whole internet kind of... Bro- broken down into interesting bit. Oh, it's just the most interesting part of the internet. And I read through all that kind of stuff. And those guys don't have that kind of resource that I have. No. And I would not let them have it either. <laughs> because it's like the best sites that I've found over 15 years that I've just have there that I can search through. Okay. I think we're, yeah, so I think we probably do it a bit differently. So the way I look at it and what we do is that the only superpower we have is the fact that we actually get paid to go into work every day and look this stuff up that anyone could do. So I always, I would never be cagey about sharing that stuff because the only purpose of what we're doing is to, you know, let other people know how amazing the world is, you know, and how many incredible facts there are in it. So one of my favourite things is when we have interns in the office or work experience people and being able to send them this list that, you know, I've compiled over the years. If these are the amazing sites, or these are the amazing books mm. or magazines you should read. What the hell are you doing? Give <laughs> <laughs> me away. But that's literally all it. We just I get don't to have do any stuff. other skills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if everyone else can do this, I'm absolutely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. They all have normal jobs. They'll never have the time. <laughs> It's weird though, like we, because we'll be on, if we're doing the podcast, sometimes the time frame that we have is so quick that you just have to just read the internet. But we also read books and, and that's where the most exciting moments happen. When, you've, when, when you're sort of reading and you know that it's almost not even in the index, it's so seemingly unimportant to the author, what they've just told you. And that, that's the most glorious thing actually, is that experts tend to not realize the really interesting stuff because they know the subject so well. They put it in there, but they gloss over it. And if okay. you don't know the subject, you're like, hang on a second, what? 
why have you not expanded on this? I think um, a really good example of that, sorry, is because um, you're, you're very good at spotting that angle, I think. And I think we had a fact once that if something's found, if someone finds a meteorite and it's not a meteorite, they call it a meteor wrong. And in, yes, it's just yes. casually referred to that in any report about, you know, scientific report. It's like a meteor wrong. Yeah, whatever. We all know that. Yeah. And then it takes, you know your dad to go hang on this is fucking cool they call this a meteor wrong well I, yeah I read, I read a fact which is that and again this was just in passing which didn't really register as interesting to the person but in the International Space Station um, the astronauts wear belts and the reason they wear the belts is that so their pants don't fall up <laughs> <laughs> as well as down but like that's that's incredible like and that was just a passing thing and, and I read a, a uh, Charles Dickens biography by Claire Tomalin, which is a brilliant biography. And this, again, rogue sentence that she just does nothing else with, which is that Charles Dickens had a sister who was called Fanny. And Fanny was a musician, and she went to a music school. So Charles Dickens' sister, Fanny, was taught by a man called Dr. Crotch. And I was just like, Fanny, Crotch, Dickens, we've got so much here. And then it turns out, what did he teach her? He, he played the organ. He had a massive organ. And so, and it just keeps delivering. And, but she just mowed over it like it was nothing. Like we wanted to get to a Christmas carol. And I was yeah. like... It's not Claire Tomlin's job to be raising that kind of thing. I just want a footnote going, I know I'm glossing over this, but yeah. holy shit. Just, just, just an asterisk that then doesn't have a footnote. Yeah. Just an just awareness. Dr. Dr. Crotch, his first name's William. Dr. Willie Crotch is his name. <laughs> It literally, the further you go in, just gets better and better. And, and there she is, swooping over it. Do you ever, given that some of your research, as you said, Anna, is like, you know, looking at Google books from the 1900s, when you discover a particularly esoteric fact, like a lion jumping through a window on Strand, um, do you ever then see it, like, after it's been on the podcast... Do you then, in the ensuing months, ever see it turn up in a BuzzFeed article Ooh. and think, hang on a minute, that was mine? Sometimes, sometimes I think, little, little things crop up. A few, but it's, it's a month later and you think, yeah. no, that can't, can't, can't be to do with us. Do you, do you feel fine. ownership, though, when you've got something particularly... I really Because you're shaking your it's head, not but like, Andrew's like, meh. So I reckon maybe, like, the people who aren't stand-ups, because, for instance, if it's a joke and another comedian took a joke, then that would be a real no-no, right? Yeah. So you guys as comedians might see that as a bit more of a, a bit more dodgy, but I think the non-comedians will just like, we want the knowledge to be out there. We don't really care about that. I, I slightly have the opposite, because sometimes people will tweet us going, um, they'll tag in BuzzFeed, and they'll say, and tag me in and go, oh, someone's been listening to No Such Thing as a Fish, and yeah. I'm there going, I took that from BuzzFeed, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is embarrassing. It's like the worst busted moment. <laughs> and have, have any of the facts that you've gleaned, have they ever actually proved useful in life? Have you ever had a MacGyver moment where you've been, like, trapped and you've been able to... Our last tour that we did, we, we do a first half to our tour and then we do a podcast recording. Anna's whole bit was about uh, how our podcast will save your life. Yeah, it was. Yeah, although it's all completely facetious from start to finish. So it was like about how you distinguish a brown bear from a black bear. Um, I, I mean, I think largely not, but occasionally you find... I think one of the most useful things I've learned, for instance, is like you can tell a, an empty battery from a full battery by dropping it and if it bounces it's empty and if it doesn't bounce uh it's full 
and or the other way, way around. I, can't I think remember. it's. I think it's <laughs> if it balances it. Yeah. One or the other. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that genuinely I use a lot is the fact that um, so a bunch of studies have shown that if someone they like like get recruit people in the study and if someone doesn't have very much sleep or doesn't sleep very well they monitor their brain waves and stuff and see how much time they spent in REM sleep and stuff like that if they haven't slept very well but they think they've slept really well they'll perform really well during the day and if it's the opposite so if they've slept really well but they think they haven't had a good night's sleep then they perform really badly and the idea is basically that a lot of when you say oh god I'm so tired I've only slept two hours it's kind of psychological you tell yourself that so whenever I've you know been out partying till four in the morning very rare that which would I've happen. never done uh, but or like say for instance we were doing a podcast in the evening at 9 30 and you've been out all day on the lash sure exactly <laughs> it's <laughs> never done that either um then it's, it's kind of psychological so um you know if you tell yourself you're not tired you won't feel tired i found that quite useful yeah. it is it's what's really nice is seeing things that you've researched kind of in the world so um we uh, this was on qi the tv show actually the thing about pigeons about why pigeons don't fly away until really really late if you're driving along or if you're moving towards them and it's because their eyes move so fast and they're so good uh, that everything to them looks like a slideshow, basically. Uh, or a film. A film would look like a slideshow to them because their eyes are so capable of, you know, uh, they see so quickly. Um, so it's not really useful, I would say, <laughs> but I do notice it when I walk towards pigeons. Does that, does that answer, <laughs> what, does what that do answer you think, the question? What do you think when you're walking towards a pigeon? I think I know why you're not moving. <laughs> Do you know what? I've crashed into so many pigeons on my bike that I think that's the one QI fact I don't believe. Because wow. they don't get away in time. Yeah, right. You well, kill that... pigeons. Are you, are you testing the idea? Are you purposely... Yeah, I'm cycling incredibly fast directly towards a pigeon <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't quite get away. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh... But then the thing is about London pigeons is they have, on average, 1.4 feet. Is it 1.4? 1.4, yeah. God. Yeah. That's, yeah. Because a lot of things. <laughs> so pretty hard for them to get away. Yeah. <laughs> so, hmm. I, well, I just mentioned the pigeon thing sort of lightheartedly, but we've had two pretty upsetting facts about pigeons <laughs> now, so... <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, go on. <laughs> so, do you... <laughs> you just never know where the facts are going to go. <laughs> do you need to check... The facts, because I've seen someone on your. Well, I mean, do you feel any responsibility when you're um, submitting facts to go? Like you mentioned astronauts, we mentioned pencils earlier on. So the first thing I thought, of course, was that thing of like you know the Americans developed a high tech pen for space, the Russians used yeah. a pencil, yeah. and then someone has told me more true, recently yeah. that actually that's not true. Is there a is there a risk? I mean, how rigorous do you need to well, be in your checking? I think what happens is often, say um, one of us sends a fact, we all send a fact round, and the other four then go away and research it, and usually if there's any problems, then it will be turned up in four researchers' work. So we found a couple of those recently, haven't we? Yeah. There was the, um, the oh, LEAF thing, the European yeah. Space Agency. What was that? So I, I had a fact which will be going out, I think, this podcast. Mm. Uh, the uh, uh, Last, I don't know when this goes out. Sometime <laughs> it went out. And it was that if you went into the sounds, the, there's a room at the ESA, which is the European Space, Space Agency, and they have a sound system that is so loud that if you were to be in the room to hear it, 
it would kill you. It's that loud. It's just an amazing sound system. So I... <laughs> not a brilliant one. <laughs> so I, I hadn't... Uh, I saw Worst it. rave ever. <laughs> Literally, all my friends dead. <laughs> so I read, I read this fact, and all... Sometimes when you Google, there's a very quick way of trying to verify a fact without having to read an article and just seeing the results. And every single science site that I love said the exact same thing. Sound system that can kill you, sound system that can kill you. And then later when I was researching the fact, I opened it and realized that halfway through every single article, they go, this of course couldn't actually kill you. This is just someone has said this and it's not actually true. So that's a moment where the, th- the other three informed me that I was wrong before I even read that bit of the article. But that actually happens to all of us, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I completely screwed up this week, actually. Um, from that. So there's a really good book, by the way, by Hannah Fry called Hello World, which is about AI. And I think my fact next week might be about AI. But um, again, as you do, if you're writing a book review, I read a review of it, and it said that um, Google uh, Street View Cars... Um, what was it? It said that they have facial recognition technology, which they then give to the police, and then which the police use to uh, uh, compare to a big database of criminals to see if you're a criminal. And it's not that's not what she wrote in the book, which is a slightly uh, they slightly messed up in the review. Sunday Times. Um, <laughs> and but well, in fairness, with that, we got in touch with Hannah, didn't we? With Hannah Fry, and we asked yes. her about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we do. We're quite rigorous. I we think. usually catch it, even if it's in the recording process. So, like every two or three weeks, I'll say something, and either James, Anna, and Andy will go, "That was an April Fool's article that you've not." <laughs> yeah. like, it's the one thing I don't check the date when it's something's too good to be true, and that happened two weeks ago. Yeah, it was about the guy who had sex with an adver- uh, with um, a. Um, what was it? Armadillo and caught leprosy. Yes, yeah. So there was a there was a twenty two. We were doing who's, a fact about being, armadillos. Wait, who's being fooled? Is it Dan? <laughs> <laughs> the armadillo, the man, Dan. When he like, it feels very much like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Have sex with an armadillo, shame on everybody. Shame. Shame. <laughs> They you do know, have leprosy, though. They can they get do, leprosy, They yeah. can get leprosy. They, like, it's huge in the armadillo world, yeah. leprosy. Yeah. All the elements were right, except for the date that it was released on, which yeah. I didn't check, and that happens to me a, genuinely a lot. Um, <laughs> all the elements were right, except the central claim made in the article. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about, the, about what, what sort of has been happening throughout uh, this interview and what happens throughout your podcast. It, the, you, it's not simply, here's an interesting fact, but your ability as a team to riff on something, to find the funny in it. Um, I'm interested in how you view that. Like, one of the things I noticed um, just in the last couple of minutes, um, Andrew, you assume a sort of persona, do you think? Ooh, I, uh, I suppose I suppose so. Pipe down. What sort of persona? <laughs> I think this is very much Anna's persona, by the way, which is pipe down, everyone. Yeah, yeah. You, do, you see what, I mean, do you see what I'm getting at? In terms of the, the group dynamic and yeah. the, the practised kind of performative grooves that you can fit into. I think that with QI, for instance, you have a host, uh, Sandy Toxvig, who is a straight person, and then she is given the information, and then you've got four people. <laughs> we'll, just, I mean... we'll just let that go. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Now, if great, you guys... great work, everyone. Now, Stephen Fry, he was a straight person. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys had have laughed, I'd have got away with that. 
But she's the straight guy, right? And then you've got the comedians who are trying to make jokes about it. Um, not that Sandy isn't a comedian, of course, but that's what you've got. And on our show, we take it in turns to um, do the facts, and then the other three are always becoming the comedians, trying to find the funny in what you're saying. So we each take it in turns to do the setup, and then the other three try and find the funny, I would say. Yeah, being, being um, a bit sort of serious and analytical about it, because I do, I do we're love... We're at 40 minutes, so we're... Um... Yeah. <laughs> I, do love, I do love comedy, and I, I think like you, Sue, I, I sort of analyse it and go, how does this work? And what's interesting is within the dynamic, everyone is the, at times, the funny person. Every time, uh, everyone is also the full person. Everyone has the rest ganging up on them for a stupid comment. Or well, a, apart from the guy who edits, of course. Uh, yeah, if you heard the real thing, this guy... <laughs> He's just doing accounts in the background. And, but no, I, it's, it's a very odd dynamic that you don't usually get within a group. You know, you have a Blackadder and a Baldrick, or you have a Manuel and you have a, a Basil Fawlty, and, and we seem to not fall into those categories, and that's what keeps it fresh, because one week I'll be having the piss ripped out of me for saying something stupid, but then if Andy says something stupid, we'll equally jump on him, and I'm included in that. There's no, like, hey, Dan can't join on that. Like, we, no, one, no one has a fixed position. Yes, I, 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 def I think that's absolutely true, but I also think that there are, just even that, we've, that maybe you could pick up, maybe the audience could pick up from what we've seen tonight, that, uh, and like, you, you kind of play like, oh, you know, the, like the pissing in a bush anecdote. I'm kind of a goof. I don't even notice the, April, the fact that it was April the 1st. As you said, Anna has a pipe down, everyone. I'm talking now. Yeah, kind yeah. of quality. And Andrew has a, a different kind of idiot quality, right? Yeah. yeah? No, that's very interesting. Please, I mean, do you, do you well, please I mean, expand on that. Well, that's because I, mean, I, I always thought you were just a standard idiot. Right, right, yeah. You're well, a special idiot. Thank you. Turns out. What do you mean? Because I, I wouldn't have been able to identify the, the persona, if you like. Yeah. Because we got, um, like, for instance, we got a drawing of us once, didn't we? <laughs> one of my shows. You got and a, it, was a, a drawing, it was a drawing of all four of us. Okay. Okay, yeah. so we had a picture of Dan, and he's got his glasses. And then you got a picture of uh, me with stupid hair, and a picture of Anna with women's hair. And then... <laughs> and then... And then Andy was literally just a stick just, man. Just yeah. a man. Yeah. <laughs> Just the circle head and the legs and the... But you are, you are a kind of... Well, it's very difficult to do it for someone else. But, you, you know, um, you're kind of like a goofy idiot, whereas you're kind of a plummy idiot, right? Thank, thank you. Yeah? <laughs> That's... And I, I I'm not describing you, the person. I'm describing the role that you assume within even, the... Even if, even if you were describing me as a person, you wouldn't be a million miles away... <laughs> Yeah, um... It's so much closer than a million miles. I, uh, I sort of... I, you would be plummy spice if you were one of the spice girls, <laughs> wouldn't you? But, I mean, I, I, I know, from what we know of your, of your backgrounds, as James is a background in production, your background in sort of academia, that I, I, I know that you're a stand-up comedian and you're a member of Ostentatious, as well as, you know, you've done stand-up shows and you've done kind of uh, improv comedy. And uh, I, it's interesting to... S I wonder whether you feel that there are kind of you have performative options as distinct from the kind of just playing themselves well I th I, so you mentioned uh, the improv comedy thing because i uh, i'm in a show called ostentatious which is a, a sort of long form improv show and it's really interesting comparing that show and this one um because in 
ostentatious. You've got eight cast members, and you, you know you sort of you do about six of you do each show. So everyone ha- everyone can play loads of different things, and everyone has a broad range of you know characters. And you're always trying to play you know varied because you don't just want to play you know the stern father every time or the sort of the ingenue character every time. But everyone does have things that they naturally tend towards. And everyone does have a kind of tendency within themselves. So in an improvised show, you're always trying to fight that because you want to play a range of characters because it's, it's, you know, drama. Whereas here, uh, you don't have to do that. And in fact, the, the fact that sometimes you're saying a fact and sometimes you're making a joke off someone else's fact is the variation. Whereas with Ostentatious, you have to be constantly finding that. Here, in fact, we can indulge it and, and play further. Yeah. It almost became a problem, it's become a problem a little bit, so when we do our live shows and we do a written part in the first half, we want to know what is our personality so we can play on that personality, but when we've edited, certainly for the first year or two, we deliberately took anything personal out of it, we thought people don't care who we are, all they care about is the facts, so we took that out completely, and then we had to write a show and it's like, well, everyone knows Dan likes yetis, but no one really knows anything else about the rest of us. Um, so we are trying to get a bit more of that in, I think. But. Yeah. We're trying to build personalities for ourselves, yes. <laughs> which, after 32 years of not having one, is a tough <laughs> ask. <laughs> so, you're, cap- you're Captain Sarcastic, Anna, I would uh, say. Uh, Sergeant Sarcastic. So. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've, but definitely... Hang on. You've demoted yourself <laughs> within the army. Yeah. <laughs> So Alliteration <laughs> means a lot to me. <laughs> or as I would say, I am Captain Anal. Um, yeah, well, in many ways, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. um, you, I think you are the, you are the plummy... <laughs> but this is, I, I, I think this, you're sort of getting at what I mean. In fact, if you, it might be easier to describe what other members of the team are rather than oneself. So, if, so, you're, so Captain Anal, Sergeant, what was it, is it? Sergeant Sarcasm, Sergeant Sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it can be really cruel. Um, <laughs> Here we go! And, no, as in, and when Anna goes for you, there's no hesitation, there's no, there's no pity. These um, guys are... <laughs> there's no mercy, is what no, you're saying. Exactly, yeah. And, 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 and also, you know that you're just, there's nothing personal in it either. Wow, just, I Anna's can't believe just... you think that. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> I've never known people who make it so easy. Uh, but that, it... No, it is. We, we're quite good. These guys are quite good at being laughed at. I think that's a good. A good She's looking directly at me. Do <laughs> <laughs> scan the others. Incredible character note for you of like. These, like, in the credits at the beginning, the one sentence we get from you to establish a character. These guys are good at being laughed at. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> Sometimes, because obviously, when we when we say a fact, and particularly when we do live stuff, um, the office records we we can get as facty as we want, and we can go as deep into a topic without needing to necessarily go for a laugh. But when we do our live shows, you you got sixty minutes, and you want to make it as funny and fun as possible. So it, that takes because we don't know what we're going to say. It takes a lot of leaps into the unknown comedically to just go. Oh, I wonder what would happen if this happened. So I I try that a lot but i sit next to anna in the formation that we're sitting on stage right now which is from right if you're in the audience it's me anna andy james i'll say a thing and anna will almost think i've just said that as a serious thing and fucking kill me on stage <laughs> she will go why would he do that is that a thing is that why would that thing you're a fucking moron and i'll i'll be i'm just trying to make a funny thing and 
I don't say that. I phrase it. No, you never. Yeah, I mean, it's way more intelligent. I do something when James does the edit, though, because it's often me and James in the office, and James has got his headphones on, and he's editing the podcast, and he'll take his headphones off, and he'll go, Anna, you were really mean to Dan this week. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mind if I keep it in? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's my persona. But we never get offended by it. It's this weird magic. It's this odd thing. Like, genuinely, sometimes, like any... We're we're definitely like a sibling group to an extent, you know. We've known each other so closely now, even just in the last five years, let's say even just since the podcast started, that, you know, if we're on tour, we'll get into fights and we'll have bad moods and stuff like that. And it just disappears as soon as we walk on stage. And anything that we say on stage, it's never... No, We've never walked off and gone, how dare you... Never has that ever happened because we just know that it's what it is. It's just we're, we're. One time you forgot to bring my wine on stage. No, one time I drank your wine on stage. Oh, that was it. That's the that only time where yeah. off yeah. stage. That's the closest we came to splitting up, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I am drinking your beer now. Are you? Yeah. Oh, nice. Sorry. <laughs> And, and what's, what's, how does James fit into that kind of paradigm, that sort of ensemble, the kind of the clown ensemble? And I'm asking everyone to be very James. careful, guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, for starters, James is pun obsessed. Um, and I think when, the, when we do our live shows, the bigger the groan he can get out of a crowd, the more satisfied he is. I always is. think after a laugh, it's often instead of a laugh, a groan. It's basically, you're getting a reaction, aren't you? That's got to be good. Yeah, exactly. I don't they're, know. They're and I, can, I can always edit a laugh onto it. <laughs> and he does every time. But it's weird, because I think of you as being more fact. Uh, sort of just, it's weird, because we all do the facts. We all do the research, and we yeah. all do check them. But I think James does a lot. So James on the QI series will do a lot of the script editing. So there's great, so a huge amount of checking goes into that. So I, I sort of have a perception of you as being fact plus. Quite pedantic as well, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, just... And also, because I have a science background, I can kind of sound like I know what I'm talking about if I don't really know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But James, so James is the weird sort of Oh, thanks Dan. <laughs> yeah. But like if if you were if you had to understand QI as a sort of background thing, um, James is the head researcher of QI. He edits every weekly pod sh- podcast that we do. He in the time that we've been writing, we've just written a book and it's a really labor intensive book because it's topical and so we have to stay on top of the news, we have to update it all the time, we have to keep looking and we have to slightly because you can't hand the book in on December 31st. It's a book for this year. You have to slightly write articles that sort of feel as if Hopefully things stay the same way and it doesn't go out of date. So that was that was the <laughs> last your Brexit stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if Trump gets impre- impeached and Brexit doesn't continue to happen, we're fucked as a book, basically. So the four of us are like, "Come on, Brexit, um, make America great again." I'm, I'm cutting everything else. <laughs> but. Um, as well as us writing that, James has written another book at the same time for QI, which is coming out this year as well. Um, it's So this is like a weird anomaly of a human who's able to just multitask with fact and funniness in a way that we, we kind of, we all do a lot of stuff, but like that's that's really weird what he's doing. It's James is like the sort of head 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 prefect, headmaster. Yeah, maybe. Head, head. I'm the one who checks everyone's work. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I'd say that, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they let me do the podcast because they edit it, and they don't want to. <laughs> So, wow. <laughs> no, no, James. No, you're really. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, no. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is so annoying. When we agreed to do this show, we were like, Stu's going to ask us some serious questions. We're going to derail this whole thing and just talk facts. And we've you fucking made us talk this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, we must wrap up before too long. We do have a bit of extra time, but we're also aware that it's quite late on a Sunday night. Um, we've got the opportunity for uh, you to ask some questions, uh, if you'd like some que- to ask some questions. I believe we also have a, a roving person with a microphone. Um, while you have a, a two-second think about your questions, I might just take a picture of you uh, grinning. Should we do that? Because this is, uh, by a factor of three, the largest uh, live Comedians Comedian podcast. This so, is, this hey, is quite... by, only by a factor of three, I've done live ones. <laughs> I've got a following. I've got 10 million downloads. We don't know how many of those downloads were more than a few seconds, but no one does. So, this uh, is really cool, though. I've just seen, because they lifted the lights a bit, I've seen sort of missing seats in the audience, and I know exactly what's happened. No one was predicting that... They bought tickets ages ago, but no one was predicting that the bodyguard would be as good as it is. And... <laughs> That's where they are right now. Can, can, you all, uh, can you all appear to be enjoying yourselves? If you don't feel it, fake it. No, it's not plausible. <laughs> Slammed by Sergeant Slam. <laughs> I know you guys were recently in Australia on tour a few months ago. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because I am Australian, I will ask you about that. <laughs> How did you find touring in Australia? Because it was quite a long trip that you guys had to go on. Yeah, we were there for about um, three weeks, a yeah. month, three weeks. something yeah. like that. Really, we had two different trips going on at the same time. James and I did almost all our homework before getting to Heathrow. So we when saw we, loads of oh, great we stuff, saw, didn't we? We saw koala, saw we quackers. saw koala, we saw James saw quackers. It was amazing. It was wonderful it's time. such a beautiful country, I have to say. Incredible. And we really made the most of the brief time we had there. It was fantastic. Dan and Anna... Uh, These absolute nerds (laughs) prepared in advance, fine. But I can tell you, some of the hotel rooms in Australia with Wi-Fi that allowed me to research were really top-notch. And I'm actually Australian, so I've seen it. So... We, so Dan and I had the reason, I think, that you're, you claim to be Australian and you've lived there. I am Australian. Uh, uh, And... (laughs) And I have lived in Australia for a year as well because my partner's Australian who's here. And so we, we know the deal with Australia. So we didn't yeah. need to get out into it. Um, can, I, can I just... So I'll, I want to tell you my favourite thing that happened to me in Australia. We played the Sydney Opera House, which as I'm from Sydney and it's the, my family still live in Sydney. It's the first time they've ever seen me on stage. So that was... Ex- a, being in the Sydney Opera House, and we played the main hall, and because we've never been to Australia, we sold it out. So it was 2,000 people. It was insane. None of us expected we'd ever do that. Just you make it sound like that's never happening again, because yeah. now they know what to expect. <laughs> so now they know what it's like when it's filled. Um, but yeah, so... No, it's, it's always filled. But, um, so it was amazing for me, because my, my family were there, and... Uh, we, when we, we're always asked often if we go on tour, are there any good tour stories that you guys get up to? And it's really boring. It's a lot of ironing, and then maybe a koala comes into it. But that's, that's about it. 
So this is my only story from the Australian tour, which I think is really exciting. My family were sitting in a row with, and you're Australian, Andrew Denton was there. Like, it was, it was very exciting. He's a big broadcaster in Australia. For the benefit of the listener, the Australian lady just reacted facially in a positive yeah, way. Yeah, you know, you know Denton. Yeah. Got a thumbs up. Yeah. So in the row was my wife, and sitting next to my wife is a very good friend and his girlfriend. And they were so excited by being in the Sydney Opera House that they got a bit too drunk. Um... And uh, my friend's girlfriend, while sitting in the row, halfway through our podcast, just leaned forward and vomited everywhere. <laughs> all, over my girl, all over my wife's foot, um, all over my mum's foot, who was just because it really spread. And then she sat up and watched the rest of the show. <laughs> Didn't move, just hung out. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, my favorite. That's the only rock and roll story from the thing. She also, my, my wife took her to the bathroom. She went into a cubicle. She locked herself in the cubicle and was like, I'm locked in. And she had to crawl out underneath that little <laughs> bottom gap. So, yeah, Australia was fun. Thank you. Yeah. Great right, question. Yeah. Thank you great. very much. So the question was, have we made any changes since to the, the To the podcast format. Oh, that's a really good, good question. question. Well, the basics are the same, aren't they? Which is four facts each. Yeah. Um, I would say we record shorter than we used to. Yeah. Um, because we don't talk over each other as much, so the edit is a lot easier. Yeah. I think also, I guess James Light, he said this earlier, but um, as it's developed, so at the start, obviously, we were nobodies, and we still are, but... Um, at the start, it was all entirely about the facts. And so, as you said, you'd edit out anything where we even use each other's names because it's like, we are not important here. <laughs> it is about the facts. But now, I guess, we've been going for a while. People know a bit what we're like. So people know that, you know, Dan often doesn't research his facts as much as he should. Or... I feel like we've been hitting See? that quite hard. Andy. See, Sergeant Slam reporting for duty. <laughs> the other thing is, I listened to an old one, um, one from, like, it was probably about episode 20 or 30, and I, I, I know I do have a northern accent, but I had a really northern accent, and you guys sounded way more plummy. Yeah, that was a I format think... change. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I sounded more plummy then than I do yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've kind of all turned into one horrible, homogenous oh, no. mess. I will book myself some elocution lessons. <laughs> I think I got, I got may, maybe more. being lo maybe looser with each other. Although yeah. I actually do want to use this moment to say that, Dan, you always say that all of your facts are not right and... You're, I mean, all of Dan's facts are entirely right and incredibly assiduously researched and really strong facts. We've hit the 65th minute of the podcast <laughs> where... <laughs> this is where the real deep shit comes out. It's not just like you're spouting, yeah. Um, no, 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 they are, they are yeah, they are a l l largely true. That's yeah. the nicest thing Anna's ever said. That was really nice. Anna, that was, Anna, that was lovely. It hurt. It That's hurt why she got her last emotion. She... Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, episode 261 of The Comedian's Comedian. First use of the word assiduously. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, just in, in, a, in another sort of more technical answer, the, when I said earlier that we did all these pilots, it's because we really wanted to to work out what's the best way of making a show. James and I come from Radio 4 backgrounds, so there was this big thing when you did podcasts initially, even five years ago, where you make a show and it can be two hours long, it can be nine hours long, and 
you can agree with that. That's that's fine. But actually, what people want is a good show. Still, they want something that just get into it and get going. And a lot of podcasts. This is different because this is an interview show. It doesn't have a conceit where you need to get into it. But a lot of shows have a conceit. Its title says this is what we're doing in this show, and then it starts and there's 20 minutes of rambling. It's just and you you're fast forwarding, going the bit that I love is where the show begins. And our biggest thing was how do we just begin a show and. If you listen to the first episode, I actually did this because I knew we were coming on. I thought, do you know what? I haven't listened to the pilot episode in ages. And almost exactly word for word how we began our first episode is how we've carried on. Once again, we've gathered around our four favorite facts the last seven days. Here we go. James, what's your fact? Or Anna. And then, boom, you're in. You don't need to know who we are. You don't need to know anything. You're here for the facts. And that's... And most other shows will be like, so we're doing a thing about cookery. Uh, what do you cook? Don't give a fuck. Get to the concept. Get, get straight. We'll learn about that during the show. Give it to us. Just That was almost breakout applause <laughs> at the concept of get on with it, podcasters. I, I was going to say one difference is we used to gather around the microphone and now we gather around the microphones. Yes. Here's the change. Yeah. We've gone from one to four mics. Yes. Yeah. But apart from that, it's only been stagnation. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of things... When you edit the show, what kind of editing decisions do you make? What sort of stuff doesn't make it to the show? Um, these days, um, if I cut something out, we're quite... This is going to sound terrible, but we're quite tight now because we don't talk over each other very much. We know what works and what doesn't work. And if something's not working, in the office at least, and in live shows it's different, we tend to notice it quite quickly and just move on. Um, so usually anything I cut out is something that I intend to use later on in a best-of episode. <laughs> um, but usually I would say um, I tend to keep in all the, as, quite a lot of ums and ahs as well because I don't want us to sound like robots. That's quite a technical thing, but... I think you leave them in, do you say? I you leave a lot in, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's... Because it's just a chat and people talk like that, you want people to, to sound how they actually speak. If you really, really flub something, I'll cut it out. But usually a, a little bit of an omen, a little bit of an hour, I'll keep in. And then apart from that, really, you often, each section, I find the funniest bit and try and aim towards that as the end of the section. So here's a really funny line that came towards the end. We're going to finish with that. What do we need in order to get to that point and just get the narrative? I mean, this is really boring and technical. No, no, no. This is the kind of, this is everyone's front of their seats technical stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's all, and it's callbacks as well. Like callbacks, James, yeah. All yeah that kind you'll of stuff, you'll yeah. make sure that stays in. And it is, it's interesting how different it is doing a live from doing a, uh, an office recording. Because in an office recording, you can really, really get into the detail and there's no sense of looking for a laugh at the end of what you're going to whereas in a live show i'll frequently look down at my notes and say well i can't possibly say that um (laughs) definitely yeah especially if you've said something which didn't get a laugh like that didn't for instance thank you yeah (laughs) james will now edit that laugh into (laughs) what no, but I mean, it's like I've been in that situation so often where you're in, uh, you you say something you think's funny, the audience do not laugh at it, and then you're like, well, that was the funniest thing I have here. What am I going to do now? It's because there's no accepted noise for so, finding something interesting. Yes, I mean, it's the, the one thing, if I could bring one invention to the world, it would be the sound of an audience that says, oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> So if anyone, listens to, if anyone listens to this, if you come to one of our live shows and you find something interesting, just go, ooh. That would sound can we, amazing. Can we just try it now? Yeah, let's that try be, it. All right, yeah. so, wait, which are we going for? The, oh, well, should we, let, should let, we let everyone... Dis- I feel like we should crowdsource this. Could you give okay. us a sort of... A, I'll tell you what, shall I do it? I'll do a fact. Let's do a fact then, each. Yeah. Let's do a fact each and let's crowdsource a difference. So let's... 
have a noise if you think. Well, just do the noise anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and do um, a, different, a different noise for each fact. Okay, yeah, a different yeah. go for So each for one. this one, just go, Ooh, like your rig mail or something. <laughs> um, so when an alpaca gives birth, in the industry, it's technically known as an unpacking. Love it. Love it. Love it. That was a really funny fact. So everyone was probably holding back the laugh, which slightly... <laughs> oh, let's, oh. let's have one from Andrew, and just don't be... We, we, we won't be prescriptive. Let's go for what you feel is like an... Oh, okay. freestyle it. Okay. Um, oh, here's one. So uh, recently, Australia has had so many changes of Prime Minister that Madame Tussauds have officially announced they're not going to bother trying to keep up anymore. <laughs> No, that was a laugh. Come well, on, that's guys. A funny, that's a laugh. Sorry, I that's Good. A funny stop fact. laughing. Funny fact, useless yeah. to the project. <laughs> really dry facts, please, Anna. Oh god, okay, like a really unfunny um okay. channel your inner harkin. I this is such a good opportunity for me because one of the only things I don't like about doing the podcast is that um, we can't have really depressing facts on it, but there are a lot of really interesting, really depressing Is that right? Is that, a, is that a sort of editorial decision? It's not a rule, but we just... <laughs> you tend not to. They just don't get many laughs. Um, so... Favourite depressing fact? Oh, God, what? No, I've checked it out. Here's my fact. Um, for the last four months of his life... <laughs> President, US President James Garfield ate everything through his anus. Oh, okay. That felt quite real. Yeah. That was good, wow. and there was a wow there that as well in the wow. corner. Did anyone, feel, did any individual feel they nailed the noise of interest? No, it no. was a group thing, okay. <laughs> Go on, Dan. There's a, a, there's a dude right at the back who was nodding like, I fucking nailed that. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, he's nodding. Yeah. Can you recreate your noise for us and then we'll all give yeah. that noise well, give to us, Dan's give us, I don't know if... Did you make a noise? I just saw the head. I don't know if there was a... Right at the back. No, you, you just turned around. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what was your noise, noise? Did you make? Ah, <laughs> oh, right. Oh, very strong. Uh, okay, yeah. so we'll all go for that one. For this fact. Okay, um, so... We, we've just written this book. Anna found this fact in this book. And I, even when we did the audiobook, I keep trying to go, this is fucking amazing. And uh, everyone's sort of like, it's okay. But this is genuinely, for me, the, in this year, this is the most exciting, weird thing I've learned, which is, and again, this is Anna's fact. So um, there was a penis transplant this year for the first time. Uh, a penis. And a scrotum. Penis and testicle and transplant. The first was wait, both, wasn't it? And penis testicle. And, penis and scrotum. And scrotum, yeah. yeah. So that was the first time it's ever happened was this year. But so and it was it was someone who was at war. Um, it was it was blown off and they had a they had something that they had someone that matched as a transplant. So it happened. However, they did not transplant the testicles. The reason they didn't transplant the testicles is because if you took, let's say, your testicles do, and you pl- you put them on me. Right on. For it's, instance, as part of a transplant. Sure. Yeah. D- Dan has been working up to asking this question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. Sorry, I need them. I need them separated from your the rest of 100%. you. Hundred percent. Yeah. Second child on the way. Don't need them. Right. <laughs> so I, t- I. In fact, it'd be a relief. Yeah. Really, in many ways. So we take your testicles from your body and we attach them and they are now my testicles. Are part of, and well, I've, they're still mine. No, that, well, well, this is, this is an exciting... Uh, you're going to tell me I'm wrong in saying this, but 
So if I had your testicles and then I then had sex and um, the person I had sex with got pregnant, they would have your baby, not my baby, because the testicles are still producing your sperm and your DNA code, which goes into it for the rest of my life. I can Dan, have Dan, you need to nail this because we need the knowledge. Oh, sorry. You've got to get to a... <laughs> yeah, and that's... So the reason is the reason the testicles were not transplanted in this is because this guy had not given permission that he could have babies with another human body using his testicles. Now, I've really said this good. wrong, but how fucking amazing was that fact? Well, I, I agree. Someone's leaving? <laughs> Worst fucking fact I've ever heard in my life. So go I've got to get my testicles back. I didn't know that I was... Um, ladies and gentlemen, that w- I think that noise really worked. Yeah, that noise Absolutely really worked. Smashed it. We'll, uh, I'll send you the file. You can wham it in in uh, future live edits. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think there is uh, no finer way to, than to close this festival. This is the last show of the festival. Um, thank you very much for being part of it. Um, your guy, your book, you're pushing in the moment. Your book is out when. It's uh, October, the, October the 18th. Uh, it's called The Book of the Year 2018. You're just in time for guy. the lucrative Halloween market. Sorry, yeah. go on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Book of the Year 2018, Your Definitive Guide to the World's Weirdest News. Amazing. Thank you. Um, uh, this show... <laughs> in... ah, very <laughs> nice. good. Some Freelance interest. Freelance yeah. But we didn't get a nod from Noddy Man at the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not in there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming. Please thank my guests. No such thing as a fish. Thanks, guys. As a collective entity. So my thanks to Dan, James, Anna and Andy. What a lot of fun that was. I, I'm such a huge fan of them. They're lovely, lovely people. They're very funny. The podcast is infinitely enjoyable. You can just go back to it and go back to it. There's so much sort of joie de vivre in what they do. The content is so funny. It's always interesting as well. And I've got to tell you, their book is out now. The book of the year 2018, your definitive guide to the world's weirdest news. And um, you can find lots of stories there from the news that have uh, passed you by entirely, including the fact that NASA sent a man with a fear of heights to the International Space Station, an ice hotel in Canada caught fire, and Mark Zuckerberg's private data was compromised while he was talking to Congress about compromised data. There's a lot to enjoy there. So, the book of the year 2018, you can buy that in all good bookshops and online places owned by billionaires, I'm sure. Um... And in fact, the online place owned by billionaires currently doing that for nine forty nine. But that may be a Black Friday thing, so get on that quick. Um, that's all. I think you can find no such thing as a fish at their Twitter account, which is at no such thing, and not the variety of other fan accounts claiming to be them. It's just that one at no such thing. Presumably Instagram as well, and all the other socials. And um, you can buy the book and keep in touch with them, and find their podcast and all of that kind of business. So. That was that. Gosh, that was it. I'm, I'm breathless. What a fun episode that was. I really, really enjoyed myself. And we have got, I tell you who's in the pipeline. Uh, we have Laura Davis coming up. We have Laura Lex. We have John Robertson, uh, he of the Dark Room. And uh, we also have Jake Johansson that I recorded earlier in the year. Hopefully by the time I speak to you next, uh, we will have Ed Axel and Doc Brown in the can. I'm looking forward to those conversations. And I'm back in booking mode 
So now is as good a time as any to go to the Facebook group, uh, jump on that, uh, and once you've joined up, we're getting about 30 people a week at the moment, which is lovely. Hello, all the new Facebookers. Um, I will make a thread for, come on then, who do we want to jump on now? And really, I'm after some sort of interesting curveball suggestions. Um, so get on that, do that, join the Insiders Club if you'd like sort of extra, extra, extra bits uh, and uh, advanced downloads of uh, live shows and things like that. And um, that's all for now. I, uh, have I got uh, have I got an email to read out? Let's check the emails. Da, 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 da. Um, Tony C says, subject, Morley. This is a reference to Sean Morley. I'm enjoying the shit out of this episode right now. <laughs> and he wanted to share a bunch of snaps from the Glang show at Mac. I don't think we're going to share those, but I, I mean, I enjoyed them. And um, I might chuck one of those on the on the Facebook group. And I got a lovely email from uh, Duncan Eels. Eels? Yellers? It's got to be Eels, right? Um, hey, Stu, great podcast this week. In one of the ambles, you said an off-the-cuff thing about change a coming. It has a come, etc., but better. You didn't laugh at yourself, so I thought I'd flag it as gear-worthy. I've often said the nicest thing you can do for a comedian is point out when they've unconsciously said something funny. So thank you, Duncan. I'll look into change a coming and change having a come. Um, <laughs> that'll do for now. If you'd like to stick around for the post-amble, which will not be about my child. This, I promise. I've got my new child and you know you get where i'm coming from but it won't they're not featuring different post amble times changing it up guys speak to you soon if not i will talk to you next week with a new episode from someone fabulous speak soon bye-bye i I, this is a thing about memory i had a thought about memory i was watching oh god something rubbish (laughs) I'm, i'm doing a lot of half watching things at the moment i'm still watching the walking dead in the sense that I haven't I've seen one episode of the new series and I wasn't gonna bother and then apparently in episode five of the new series something completely nuts happens. Um so I, I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. You've taken too much from me, but I will stay in. You what are we on season eight? What have I seen? Seventy hours of I mean, I like zombies. Seventy hours is a lot of zombies, but apparently episode five something amazing happens. So um I, I'm gonna try and get to that, but I can't. But someone had a flashback and it it struck me that I, I've i never had a flashback. <laughs> I have memories. But isn't it weird, the amount of uh, cultural objects, films and so on, which um, which portray a flashback as, like, you look out the window and you sort of suddenly and vividly are in that, that place again, remembering everything exactly as it went. I've never had... I'd love to have a flashback. I'd love to have a, some sort of a moment, you know, a memory experience. That sounds very highfalutin, but like, you know, the moment when you remember something. I'd like, I'd like to remember anything. Do you, do you, do you feel comfortable that you remember your lives? Your life? I don't remember any of it. I feel like in my 20s, I sort of made some sort of throw caution to the wind decision. I was like, I just do anything with my life. I'm not going to remember it anyway. My memory of my life is so hazy and I don't think that's entirely self-inflicted via via abuse um i just uh i'd love to have a memory where i could actually sort of sort of fall back into an actual i suppose am i talking about lucid dreaming maybe i am i would just like to have a populated memory you know when you see a photo i almost don't like looking at photos because as soon as you see a photo of a thing all you can remember about that time is that photo and then 10 years later, you don't remember the time at all. You just remember the existence of that photo. And it seems a bit of a shame. Have you got any tips on memory? I'd love to be able to remember more. I went to college with a girl called Anna who claimed to remember being in the womb. I mean, 
you're thinking as I am, bollocks. And especially, especially now that I'm now. No, no, I'm not mentioning anything about parenting, but uh, that is an oblique reference to a womb that doesn't count. Um, you can't remember anything in the womb. You didn't have the capacity to create memories at that stage, um, which is why uh, being in the womb, you're only able to communicate with yourself via tattoos. I, I just would like to. I'd like to be able to remember things better. Is there a? Can you tell me? Is there a technique that you can learn? I know you can learn, you know, Darren Brown style pegging techniques. <laughs> that can be interpreted in two ways. Um, uh, you can learn technique. There's a, a memory technique called pegging, whereby you associate an, every number with a visual image. So when someone says double eight three one double five two six zero seven you can kind of immediately take that in and go, oh, that's a uh, hat, hat, monkey, ice cream. The monkey's eating the ice cream and pulling hats. And then you, you know what I mean? You put it in a, a shape and then you remember it instantly. That's a sort of magical process. But um, but can you do, is there a thing you can learn similarly, which as a thing is happening to you, <laughs> you remember it? Is there a way of like, you go to the shops, you bump into Colin the postman and you go... All right, Cole, and he tells you something interesting, and at that moment, something funny happens, and you know what I mean, and and then that happens, and then rather than that moment be lost like tears in rain, instead you walk away from it and you sit in the car and you go, "I'm going to remember that. That was funny." So there was a monkey, which represents Colin the postman, and ice cream, which is a funny thing happening. Do you know, there's go. Is there some? Is there some? Or can you just remember the thing itself? Is, is there is there a value to? Is there any? Does it work if you sit after a funny day? Like, is that what prayers are? <laughs> when you get in the habit of reflecting on the day just before you go to bed, is that why? Is that why I don't remember anything? Because before I go to bed, I play uh, an, a phone game uh, about Game of Thrones called Reigns R E I G N S. I've been completely stuck at that. It was a great game. I do that, and then I look at Facebook, and then I look at imja.com, and then I check my email again, and then I look at the Guardian website, and then I go, I don't have this time to spare. I must go to bed. And then I do them all again one more time. Um, but as, would it be better for me, do you think, he said, expecting the answer yes, if before I went to bed, I sort of lay there slash sat there and just had a bit of a think about the things that had happened that day. <laughs> I just, is that, that's where I've been going wrong. Oh, sometimes these post-ambles are very uh, educational for me. And it's a separate thought, completely nothing to do with that. You know, you know, rebranding is a thing. If we can re like cultural rebranding, like uh, Dan Carlin in his brilliant uh, Hardcore History podcast, or his other one, what's his other one called? Um, I can't remember, but Dan Carlin's other podcast. Um... He talked a while ago about um, the way a potential solution, a gun control situation in America, where a potential solution to that is if we could change the culture such that if you uh, have a gun, if you fire a gun in public, you're an arsehole. Do you know what I mean? If we change the culture, his his analogy was um, we managed to do that in most of the world with drink driving. Drink driving used to be like, well, you're a bit of a lad. And now, oh, if you drink and drive, you're an arsehole and there's no excuse for it. And that's that's you. You did a bad thing. And we've successfully changed the culture. And maybe that could be applied to gun ownership or other sort of negative things. You know, so we're not saying we're banning this. Well, yeah, that would be probably part of it. And you, you see my point? <laughs> I'm going to do this and you'll hear you'll hear my mind melt throughout. I'm not even going to tell you how little sleep I've had. That's how dedicated I am to you, the listener. Um, but in a similar way, I wonder if um, 
Could we rebrand throwing things away or throwing things in the bin as throwing them in the sea? Do you know what I mean? Because then you'd have to say this, oh, I'm just going to throw this in the sea. This bit of black plastic can't be recycled, so I'm just going to throw it, rather than just, I'll just put it in the bin. You'd have to say out loud, I'm just going to throw it in the sea. Because that's where it's going, isn't it? So, so if we, that would, that would be a mess. <laughs> Is there anything in this? <laughs> I think that would be, that would genuinely be useful if you could say, if we could get everyone, if we could just teach our children, because that's it. The boy, it's not about him, but it, you know, I'm still. I catch myself saying, "Oh, just throw that away." Oh, that's that's messy. That's, oh, no, no, that goes in the bin. And what is the bin? The bin is just ultimately a channel to the open sea. And I think if we all had to just say that out loud, it's probably this. Probably some sort of vegan argument about that. Let's stop saying pork and lamb. Let's say pig and sheep, and people get their heads around the fact that it's murderous more easily, more readily. Or, you know, if, if as a kid you had to make... Do you remember that moment when you realised chicken was chicken? <laughs> what, what chicken? The food I eat is the same as the, the farm animal. Maybe if that moment could be made more abrupt, we could make a decision when we were younger. And if your, if your dad was saying, shall we... Oh, oh it's all right, just give, give me that here. I'll just throw that in the sea. You might go, no, no, don't do that. Let's, well, hoard it. <laughs> or uh, not have bought it in the first place. I don't know if this is a classic post-amble, <laughs> but maybe I did my best not to mention any children. Um, I'm done. I'm done. I'm so fucking shattered. I think I made a good fist out of that. Uh, thank you for listening to this one. I'm sorry I held on to it for so long, but I, I'm also perversely glad that I did. Um, we are now entering the Christmas period, so please do sign up for the Secret Santa thing, clicking on the link in the show notes, and get yourself down to comedianscomedian.com slash merch and check out this fucking fabulous t-shirt design i think you're gonna really like it and what i'll put an explanation of it and i'll try and put it in some sort of scroll down if you'd like it explained because some people that won't want it explained because it's cool and if you know it you're cool um so go and check that out all right that'll do that'll do speak to you soon Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.